originally are. The series is going to be called Ego I Me, which is I Am in Greek. I have since decided to call it Jesus Is. I've gone over this over the last several of them. Because when he says I am, the way we can personalize this is to say he is. So, our scripture is going to come from John chapter 11. Originally, I was going to just read the last several verses of it. But I think I'm going to read the whole thing just because I think it's important. Because it gives us, and lays us some groundwork. So, let's start John 11, starting the first verse. Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and his sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that he saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. And his disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, Goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbles not, because he sees the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbles, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go, that I may awake him out of sleep. Then the, his, the, then said the disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. Then Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent ye may believe, nevertheless, let us go unto him. Now, I, I, I like to point out here that some of the situation that's going on with this is, first of all, Lazarus was obviously very sick. Because if you notice, you know, he's saying, you know, he's dead already. Just as soon as they said, you know, come, come here. He says he abode two more days and he was dead. Well, when they got there to Bethany... He was already dead and in the grave for four days. So Bethany's only about a day trip. So that means that basically Lazarus is dying about the time that they got together. Now, next says, in 16 it says, Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus. Now, oddly enough, in the Hebrew version of Thomas actually means the twin. And Didymus actually means the twin as well in Greek. He unto his fellow disciples, let us go. Also, let us also go, that we may die with him. I like that term because if you notice what's going on, he's saying, "Listen, they're going to stone you," and he just told him, "Well, Lazarus is dead." And here he says, "You know, we're going to go to him, and they're going to go through Judea to get there." And Thomas says, "Well, let's go die too." I just, 
I like to point that out. I, I, I do like that, that Thomas is, shows a unity amongst them. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave for four days already. Now, Bethany was close unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. And Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Believeth thou this? She said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. Interesting enough, he did not call for her. So, actually what's going on is she just lied. She said, yeah, I believe it. And then she went in and called the sister and said, you go and pester him. Basically what happened. As soon as, she heard, as soon as she heard that, she rose quickly and came unto him. Now, Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goes unto the grave to weep there. Then, when Mary was come where Jesus was, and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. So obviously the two of them had been talking, and I like right there we just saw that you know, Martha had lied to Mary and said, Hey, he's calling you. He's not calling her. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came after her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have ye laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So he, he, the, he had compassion, true compassion. And he obviously loved Lazarus. So then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Therefore, Jesus therefore again groaned in himself, comes to the grave. And this is troubling him. What's going on? Even the people are troubling too. They keep questioning him. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead for days. Jesus saith unto her, saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldst believe, thou shouldst see the glory of God? When they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Now, I want to stop and make two points really fast. The first one being is that it was important that he, waited, that he was dead four days. Because in the Hebrew mindset at this time, there was a, an idea going around 
that when you died, your body, your soul stayed within your body for three days. Now, this is actually, you know, actually stayed around for a long time. This was still going on up until the 1600s and 1700s. They still believed this sort of thing. And the reason why was because basically it has to do with the fact that they drank so much, so much, everything they drank had alcohol in it. Even the water. You take water out of a well, you don't know if it's good or bad. You put some alcohol in it and you sterilize it. So basically what they were doing was they were taking and putting, you know, alcohol in cups and stuff. Well, if it was a earthen cup or if it was a, if it was wood, that was fine. But of course the alcohol will degrade the wood. So they're putting alcohol stuff in like in metal cups. Well, the thing is, is if you're putting it in like copper or in, you know, brass, it actually does a chemical reaction. And what happens is when you drink it, it can literally make you pass out. It, it knock you, you just fall flat because it does this thing. It, it makes you hit your brain. You go into a coma, basically. And so people would pass out all the time. But the thing is, is they would wake up after just like usually after several hours. But sometimes it'd take a day or two. And, you know, they'd have this massive headache and they'd be all groggy. But they would wake up from it. So what they would do is they would take their body and put them on a table and they wait three days. And they would assume after three days, if they hadn't got up, that they're dead. So they go and bury them or and put them in a cave or whatever. And this is still going on. And we actually still do it today, but we just don't assume that they're going to come back to life. But we still even call it awake because we're sitting there waiting for them to wake up. So, again, this is one of the situations where this still goes on. And it's still we're still dealing with this sort of thing, the, the after effects. But it, it was pretty common back then. But but the Jewish people had come about this this theory that that meant the soul stayed in your body for three days, and it could come back to life. They were thinking you might have actually died, but you, it was still in there. So the fourth day, it was gone. You were not going to wake up. You were dead. Your soul your soul had fallen out of your body, and because we put people in the dirt or in the ground or whatever, the ground. German word for ground is hell, or was hell in the old days. And under the dirt, the actual grave itself is hell. And Sheol in Hebrew, hell, is also under the dirt. So they assume you put you under the dirt, well, your soul would fall out of your body and, and sink down into this chamber underneath underneath the dirt. And they, hell, Hades, Hades is the same thing. It's a chamber underground. Why? Because that's where your body went. Your soul eventually fell a little deeper. So, this was important that they, he, he made sure that they waited because this is how you know that, that Lazarus was dead dead. All the Jews would have thought, oh, he just woke up. But no, he was dead dead. <coughs> Excuse me. But so, we see that when it comes to this, you know, God, Jesus waited, made sure that everybody knew he was dead. Now, that didn't stop God, you know, you know, Jesus's emotions from getting the better of him and him weeping over it because he still died, still experience it. But he, he was about to do something here. So I love that how he says he comes forward after that and says. That, you know, he had taken. 
And at 24, it says, Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I think thee, thou hast heard me. And then he says, and this is a great way to pray, by the way, because he, think about it, he prayed in, in past tense. I thank you that you've heard me. You pray to God, thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for doing this. Don't pray in the please do this. Pray, pray in the, you've, it's already done. Great way to pray. Great way to pray. Then he says, And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. <laughs> I always like to point I always like to point that out because this is Jesus having like an actual conversation with God. Like this is how you know the Trinity. I mean, this is how you know the Trinity existed. That you know, they've had a, this relationship with each other. And they talk to each other like friends. Like, I mean, yes, you could say father, son, like like brothers. Like, they're talking. God, God, he goes, please, thank you, God. I know that you've heard me. And then he goes, God. And he kind of like whispered, like, God, I, I know you hear me all the time. But I had to say it so the Jews over here would believe that. You know how it is, God. I apologize. But, <laughs> but, so, but so, the next part, you know, 43 says... And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot, with grave clothes, and his face was bound up about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him, and let him go. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and for this time that we come together in your house. I just pray that you'll be with my words, that you will be with these people, that I'll say the right things, that they will hear the message I have for you, and that it'll all work out to the best of my ability to your glory, and that you will get all the honor and praise from everything we say. I ask that all these things in your holy and precious name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, Lazarus in the Gospels is also known as a man by the name of Simon the leper. Some people like to say that's not the case. That is the case. Because if you do all the thing, it, he lives in the same place. He has all the thing. He has the same sisters with the same names. Simon the leper. And he is, and likely his leprosy is in fact that which killed him. That's possible. Um, he had the two sisters, Mary and Martha. Matthew 26, 6. Uh, it describes that Jesus being at his house within the week of the Passover. Why is that important? That means that he didn't have leprosy at that time. So, because you had to be clean for 40 days, you know, after touching a leper, you had to go and do this whole ritual thing, and he would not, Jesus would not have been, been hanging out in the leper's house, touching him or doing whatever, he would close to him, just, just before having to go to the Passover. So, clearly he didn't have leprosy at this time, you know, later on. After this this death, it's possible the leper part. He knew him. He had leprosy. He was probably well off. Um, then he goes ahead and, you know, he dies probably from the leprosy because it's an autoimmune disorder. And then he goes ahead and, you know, when he gets brought back, he no longer has the leprosy. So now, you know, obviously the part in Matthew happened later. It happened after this, the following year, the following Passover. Um... Anyways, so, we read there that, and I do like to point out, 
um, in verse 9, where it says, he says that Jesus answered and said, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light, you know, of this world. So, I like to point that out, that that's, that's actually shows a, a remarkable thing about the person who, you know, the, the fact that this was included shows how much the Roman world and the Roman thought had rubbed off onto the rest of the people of, of Judah. These Jewish people were not just Jewish anymore. They were worldly. They were starting to adopt all the other. Because this saying, are there not 12 hours in a day, is actually, that's a Roman thing. Because in the Romans' mindset, they had 12 hours in a day and 12 hours in a night. Even in like the middle of winter, when the, the day was really short, and the night was really long because of all the, you know, where the sun is and everything. So, but what they did was, believe it or not, they changed the length of the hours. So, even in the middle of winter, there were still 12 hours. It was just the minutes and the hours were shorter. And in the night, the hours were longer. So, there were still 12 hours. So, I just like to point out that, you know, the people, the, the, the Roman society had really infiltrated by this point. Then we have in verse 16 where he says, and Then Thomas, which is called Didymus, said unto his fellow disciples, Let us go that we may die with him. Um, in Eliot's commentary, he says, That we have before us here a man looking at events from a mind full of the darkest apprehension. Meaning he is without hope that a return to Judea can have any but one issue for his master, and that is death. The night is so clearly seen that the brightness of the day is obscured to him. See, there's there's a little play going on here. That, that now, and I like to point out this thing about about Thomas because again, Didymus, the twin, Thomas, the twin. Thomas has a very dual nature to him. See, he's, he's very clear. Obviously, he believed, and he was willing to go die right here. When he says, let's go to Judah, he goes, well, let's go. Because now he just said that Lazarus died, and he's saying, you know, and he's going, but if you go into Judah, Christ, you're going to die too. And he says, I'm going to go anyways. And then he say, well, let's go die with him. So he, he is willing to die at this point and go with him. But at the same time, he's not thinking of him as, the, oh, he can get out of this. He's thinking of the death part, and he's putting this together. But at the same time, it is interesting to think that doubting Thomas. Thomas is known as the doubter, but yet at this point, there wasn't, he wasn't doubting much. He was, let's go. Let's go die. So I do like to, again, point that out, the characters. I like to point that things out like this about the characters because it gives a point of that these are real people. People can be double-minded. It, it, there's a real, a real point here of of a real person that was you know really dealing with the situations in life around him. Now, we see once he gets there, of course, again, we see him talk to Mary, and Mary refers to the fact that or Martha, sorry, meets him and says to the fact that you know, hey, you know, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. And he says, don't worry, you know, he'll rise again. And Martha says, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection, not that last day. And she just said unto her, 
I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Believeth thou this? This is important because Christ, what he's going to do here, we're going to see this is, the whole point of this is this is a shadow of what's to come. This is a shadow of what's to come. See, in Colossians 3, 4, Paul writes, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So he's talking about both life and a resurrection there, right? Appear with him in glory. Okay, have you considered this? This is our first point here. The resurrection. Not only do the words affirm Christ's divinity, but that through him is the only way resurrection can come to man. The authority with which these words are spoken, I am, not I will be, but I am the resurrection, implies, of course, death. But Jesus, he, he bore the penalty on the cross, and through death, and, and though it destroyed him, he now has power over it. See, Christ is the resurrection, therefore, he is the source. He is the source where the spring, the water flows from. He is the beginning and the end of it all. He's the author of our faith. He's the finisher of our faith. Now, I want to make a couple of points here really fast that I want us to go to Acts 2.27, just 2.27, really fast, because I want to make this point that about... What we're going to deal with here, and that is, there's a situation here. Some people don't believe this. Some people, this is the way it's working. Remember I already said about hell and the chamber and you going down. There is nobody burning in hell right now. Nobody's burning in hell at this moment. Hell is just a chamber. A matter of fact, it's actually described in the Old Testament and for Psalms. And it's also described as Jonah in the belly of the well. It's cold. It's dark. It's dank. It's wet. Not actually not hot, not 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 on fire, it's wet. Acts two in the twenty-seventh verse, when Peter has given his amazing sermon on the day of Pentecost, he quotes Psalms uh, sixteen when he says, Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. So See, he, he's sitting here when he says this. He's talking about that, you know. And, of course, the, the line before that, Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. See, this is David talking. David was talking about himself. See, 25th verse says, For David speaks concerning him. I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, 
that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. See, he, David, who's obviously a saved man, is referring to the fact that that he has to go to hell. He has to go to, to, to Sheol, to Hades, to hell. He, as a saved man, Psalm 16.10 says exactly that. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, in Sheol, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. So what is he talking about here? He is saying about that, that okay, he's talking about himself, saying you're not going to leave my soul in hell, but he's saying you're thine Holy One. He's talking about the Messiah, the Christ. When Christ died, Christ went down into the grave, and then Christ went into Hades, into Sheol, and he was down there for three days. And he went and he called the sheep. He said he was the good shepherd. He called those sheep that were in that pen. And now the difference is, is they were they were down there, but they were separated. You had the bad guys on one side, the good guys on the other side. And he calls his own. He says, come to me. And his own hear his voice, and they come to him. And then when he resurrected and ascended back up to heaven, to God, on the third day, he brought those souls of those with him. He brought them up with him. Out of hell, out of Sheol, Hades, because that's the difference. In Acts it says Hades, in Psalm it says Sheol, and they both were translated hell. They brought them up with him, and they went up to heaven. And again, the point being is that, you know, Christ's resurrection on the third day brought them up. That's the resurrection right there. That is the resurrection of Christ and also those souls out of hell. Did you know that there are two resurrections mentioned in the Bible? There are two. Revelation 20 verse 5 is the first, and then the second one is mentioned in 20, 12, and 13. That's the second. Death and Hades give up the dead which were in them, and they are judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. 15 says, and if anyone's name was not found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. See, that's the second death that comes after that resurrection, right? There's that resurrection that happens in Revelation 20.12. But there was a first resurrection before that, and this was referenced in Revelation 20, verse 5. That says, But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. So, see, I believe, and this is my belief, I believe Revelation is a revealing, let's say it says Revelation, of what the plan of salvation was all along. And I believe that what we see in Revelation mirrors the end times, but it's it's using it as a shadow and a shade. So, What we saw with all of this was Christ come, die, and when he, he ascended up, 
this is the first resurrection that we're talking about. You know, and we and and so let's just let's read twenty. Let's read verse chapter twenty, starting in verse one. It says, "And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand." I believe my my belief. This is a reference to Christ going down from heaven and then eventually into the bottomless pit. Two, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him that he should not deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones and sat upon them, and the judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Christ. Again, this is a dual thing here. I believe this is a shadow of what Christ did when he came the first time, and he conquered death and hell. And then I also believe this is a reference to the end times, that those who would be, you know, being killed and being, you know, their heads cut off or whatever is going to happen in the end times. There's a dualness here. There is a dualness here. And therefore, we see again in the fifth verse, it says, But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that has part of the first resurrection. On such, the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him. See, again, I believe this, has to, this is a reference to that first resurrection. If, if you live in Christ, then you are a part of that. We on earth are part of his, his resurrection. We're alive through his resurrection. And so now when we die, we don't have to go to hell. We don't have to go to Hades and wait like they did, like the Old Testament saints did. We get to go directly to heaven. We get to go directly to heaven and rule and reign with him in heaven until the end times happen. So again, I believe the two things, there's a dualness to this. I believe that's the best way to read and describe and what that's how it makes the most sense. Is to see that Revelation is using real events that really happened in the past to give us a description of the future as well. So that's the first, but then of course there is the second death, which we, we don't have to deal with as Christians, but we want as many people as possible to avoid it. And this is where, and this you, I know people rolling their eyes and go, oh, I don't believe you, you're being ridiculous here. Okay, let's go to John 5. Let's go to first, let's go to John 5. John 5. John 5. And John 5 says... Now remember, this is Christ bearing witness of himself and all this stuff. Okay. And so he talks about the fact that he gets the ability to judge, but he's not judging yet. All power, everything's given unto him. And let's look at the 17th verse. It says, But Jesus answered them and said, My father works here too, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought more to kill him, because not because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing with of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For what things soever he does, these also does the Son 
Likewise, so he's saying whatever father's doing, I'm doing. We're one and the same. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that ye may marvel. For as the father raises up the dead and quickens them, even so the son quickens whom he will. For the father judges no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the son, that all men should honor the son even as they honor the Father. He that honors not the Son honors not the Father which has sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that hears my words and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. 25. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given the Son to have life in himself. And he hath given himself, given him, I mean, he hath given him, God in heaven the Father gave the Son authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, when in which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice, and shall come forth, they that have done good under the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation. I, come, I can of mine own self do nothing as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. So, what did he just say? Two resurrections. One resurrection for the good, one resurrection for the bad. Two separate resurrections. And I believe, again, because there's this the, the concept of taking the holy, the saints that had died in the past out of hell, hell and into heaven. This is where we're talking about the two, the two different resurrections that happened. And again... Now we're resurrected directly into life. We are dead men, essentially. You know, we can't do anything of our own will or here on this earth. And God is quickening us and making us and resurrecting us from our dead state into life. And there's our second point. He is the life. The life. There is no life outside of him. Revelation 1.18. We're not going to go there. But Res Revelation 1.18, he says... And the living one, and I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of death and Hades. See, he has the keys now. Because he was he died, he went down, he took over, he's done. He is now the Lord of the living and the dead. He is the Lord of all. Romans fourteen nine, for to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the living and and the dead. See, Romans 6, 9 says, Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, death hath no more dominion over him. Galatians 2, 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me.
See, he he is the very he is life. We have no life apart from him. But we need to be resurrected from our dead state. This dead husk, this shell that we have, needs to be resurrected into life that we may live it. And he is the shepherd who calls. And he is the founder of our faith. And he is the door, the only way to get there. And now that we're there, he's also the bread of life, the thing that when we are filled with, we grow, we live. And then we can pass on to that light and be the light that he bears and gives to us through the Holy Spirit. Now everybody go to John 1 for me. Everybody let's go to John chapter 1. And it says, John chapter 1, from where we are, it's just a quick jump. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehends it not. He is light. He was in the beginning. Let's go to Genesis 1. Genesis 1. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God said, the expressed image of God. God, the Father in heaven, said, I want to create. And the second in the Trinity, the word was expressed out and created. And created. And what was the very first action? Light. Light. Let there be light. He is the light of the world. He is the light of the world. And those who believe in him, though they be dead in their trespasses and sins, they are resurrected into his life, into life with him. And therefore, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Not that he will be. It's not just that it's some, oh, sometime in the future there will be. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. It's better today for prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day and for this time that we come together in your house, that you may quicken us to life, that we may have it and have it more abundantly in you. May you continue to work on us, continue as we grow, that we will want to be filled more with you every day with the bread of life. May you continue to work on us, that we will not grow weary of doing the good things, not be weary of doing the hard things, but we will continue to rest in you, know that we have life in you, and that we will continue to cling to you as we go. We ask that you'll bless us and keep us in all these things in your holy and precious name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.